DJ and PK is brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the Big Show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m., 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time to welcome back to the show Jeff Judkins. Former youth star, Larry Bird's old teammate, now the women's basketball coach at BYU. And when I say now, I mean for the last 20 years, Juddy. 20 years. What a run. It's a long time, Dave, that's for sure. And never (laughs) thought I'd be here this long, but you know, when things, you enjoy what you're doing, you, you don't change much and just keep going. Yeah, it's the story of our lives, Judd, right here. Three of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was heaven, you know, once I do my own thing, because for 10 years I had to do what somebody else wanted me to do all the time. So it was kind of nice to be able to call my own shots and kind of do the things which I thought was right for the team and so forth. So it was good. So you're down, you're down double digits late in this game. What are you telling your team? Well, you know, I called a timeout. We were down 14, and I called a timeout. They won the run, and I pulled them in, and I said, hey, look, we've got about four minutes. Um, if we can cut this lead from 14 to 7 before the fourth quarter, then we can come in the fourth quarter and hopefully play well and start off good and and uh, you just, just, you know, just cut in the lead. And you've probably seen this in the whole tournament. It's not just one team. It's when the uh, – Lower seed is pushing the upper seed. At the end of the game, it's more pressure on the, on the on the higher seed team. They just seem to feel that pressure, knowing that they don't supposed to lose. And whatever happens, that they start it gets in their head sometimes. And and then of course momentum is a big part. But we just came down and we did cut it to seven, which was big. And then we came out and we just hit some shots and made some plays and. The next thing you know, what you know, we're we kind of got them on their heels, and that's kind of what happens. So, I mean, I saw it all this weekend with a lot of teams. So, you know, I'm real proud of these guys. We've had a couple games like this during the season, and we've we've lost some, but we've won some of them too. So it's kind of a good thing for us to be able to to really do that. Judy, as a kid, I watched the NCAA tournament on TV, and when I got into the media and I got to start covering it, I can remember the rush of excitement. I mean, I was really stealing money. And you hear players talk, and as you get older, you got more perspective. And it's fun to go to an NCAA tournament, but it's not the same as it was when the first couple times I went. And the players, you hear them talk about it, and you see them play, and you think they're going through that same thing, except that rush of adrenaline that everybody else feels really messes up the game for them. And I'm curious how you get your players to settle down, because you've been at BYU 20 years, you've been to the NCAA tournament 10 times, uh, and you've won. Now, this is the fifth time you've won in advanced, but they're always kind of spread out. There's definitely a cycle to building these teams with you at the Y. So the players don't have a lot of experience. So I'm wondering how you get them to settle down in the minute. Because I thought when you were hitting threes in that run, the team was really poised, but they don't have a ton of tourney experience. How do you get them to do that? Well, you know, a lot of it is doing things beforehand, you know, uh, during the season in trying to – you play big games. Um, you try to schedule big games. So you're playing against good teams. and But a lot of it's just their character, Dave. It's it's weird. Like, you know, when, when I was at Utah, we had those guys. They just believed in themselves, and they, they knew that they could do it. And 
practice and all the things that we did beforehand just kind of came in there. And, you know, I've had, like you said, I've had some teams that, that have kind of gone through this same thing. And I just think maybe it's just going over, explaining it, um, making sure they understand what they're supposed to do at those times, but just let them play. In fact, this is what happened. I remember it happened sometimes in other teams, but I'll, this was more recent. Is yesterday, you know, we're coming down and it's a run and we get a steal and the game's, I think we're tied or close and I want to run a play and the ball kind of gets tipped out and we're running down the court. And uh, one of my players, Tegan, has the ball at the top of the key and I'm yelling, pull it out, run a play, and she catches it and nobody's guarding her and she fires it, fires up a three-pointer and hits net, you know, and uh, I think she just had a good feel. She knew that she could hit that shot when she was open, and she took it. So a lot of it's on the players. These guys do a great job of of really having the feel of the game and making the plays and doing it. And, uh, you know, maybe it's all those times in practice where you stop and say, hey, you need to do it this way, you need to look this way, you need to do that. Maybe all the film sessions with them, all that just pays off, you know, um, right at the end but you have to make plays in this tournament to win you have to make plays because all these teams can pl- they all can play they they all have talent you just have to be able to execute and really play your game so as an asu grad judd i absolutely hate all things university of arizona <laughs> you beat them i'll give you five bucks yeah you don't like them too much do you no so you need to win this next game and send those losers home well, it'll be nice. I think uh, we have a, we have a good chance of beating them. I think we match up pretty well with them. They they have a really good point guard. They'll probably be in the top eight of the draft. Um, just a total jet, um, just really fast, and and you know she gets the basket, and creates a lot of problems. Um, we're just going to have to do a good job with that. But uh, we've kind of played a couple of people like that over the years. So hopefully, my team can. Can adjust to that. So I'm curious in the men's game, we're seeing in this NCAA tournament, we are clearly seeing a generation of players who've watched Steph Curry and Damian Lillard shoot logo threes. And now they're out there shooting logo threes in multiple games. Is that happening in the women's game too? Is the shooting getting yeah. you're the shot doctor? Is the shooting yeah. getting better? Are they imitating yeah. who they see on TV? Yeah, so I think I think generations see certain people. And I think he, Steph Curry's changed a lot in the last four or five years. A lot of these kids are looking to shoot the ball more outside, and they're trying to do the things that the NBA guys do. And that's 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 interesting because you know um, every generation it kind of is kind of different. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and now it's Steph Curry, and I'm sure it'll be different. It'll even be different after in a while after that, but. Um, these girls watch, let me tell you, these girls watch basketball. You know, a lot of them think, oh, they don't watch it. No, they watch it. They're probably more junkies than the guys sometimes. So, but you know, it's, it's, uh, the game's changed. The game's changed a lot. I still think, though, the women's game is a little bit more what it was 10, maybe 12 years ago in college basketball. And that is, they're, they are, there's some really good teams that got inside presence that are very, very good. And, you know, most of, most of the good teams have that. Now, you know, it's not just all shooting threes, but um, these kids can fire it. I mean, you got to watch that kid. The kid from Iowa and the kid from, from UConn, the freshman, are unbelievable. And even the kid that I have on my team, Shaley Gonzalez, is just 
the way that they can play and how they do it is just it's just amazing. Money free throws down the stretch by her. Uh, I wanted to uh, hit you up as far as University of Utah men's team because you're a distinguished alumni of the program. There's no question about that. This position is open right now. Uh, a two-parter, what would you like to see as far as the credentials of a head coach, and what do you think about Alex Jensen? Well, I think Alex would be a great choice. I mean, of course, he played at Utah, was on probably some of the best teams Utah's had. Um, he's, he's done his, he's done his, his hard work and he's paid the price. You know, he's been around a lot of, a lot of good coaches that can help him. I know with me, I had a lot of people that helped me through the way. And I know that he, he's had the same and being under coach Schneider, I think it's helped him see some things and being his right hand man. I think also he, he would recruit well because he loves Utah. He loves the program. He loves Salt Lake City, and so it's really easy to sell something that you really have passion for. And then I think probably the third thing is is that um, you know he has he's he's got a he's got really good nationality where he can he can he can recruit all over the country. He only played overseas for a while, so I'm sure he's got connections there with people. Um, if he gets the job, the big thing is what Rick did, and I'm not trying to toot my horn or whatever, but when Rick got the job, he was smart. You know, he hired good assistant coaches that really recruited the players that he needed. You know, you got you got to recruit in-state. You got to recruit that kind of player. You got to recruit in California. You got to probably recruit now uh, overseas, and you got you probably got to recruit, um, you know, probably in Texas. Texas, you know, it's, it's a little harder to go back east and get kids to come but it does happen, but it's a lot harder, and that's what Majerus did. He got coaches that, that were good in those areas, and I think that that's what Alex has got to do if he gets the job. I don't want to go. Uh, it's a wonderful life, and all uh, you know, Alex is Jimmy Stewart, George Bailey. But we've all seen the movie, and this guy's going to leave the small time and go to the big time. And, you know, shoot for the stars, and he keeps getting pulled back into the small town to make life better there. Alex has got a dream of being an NBA head coach. I think a lot of people have heard that and believe it. You had a dream for how your career was going, and it went a different way. And you've stayed there 20 years because it's fulfilling. So if Alex has the nightmare scenario, and PK and I both lived it, and it's stressful where two people want you to do something and you can only do one of them, what, what would you tell him about chasing your dreams which were all taught as a good thing and all that and yet what you got here is special don't overlook that just because it doesn't have as much sizzle you've lived it what would you tell him um i would tell him that you do a job and you take a job that you're going to enjoy that every day you get up in the morning and you're you're ready to go to work and i think alex has a little different than anybody else he's got a family and he's got two kids and and, you know, I think his wife has been very lucky to be in Salt Lake City with him at the Jazz, where she'd be, she's got family, her family's from from uh, Provo, and so I think she's close. And so when he's gone all the time, she's got people she can do things with. Let me tell you, people don't realize this. One year in the NBA is like four or five years in college travel-wise. Yeah, you're still going on charter flights, and you're still doing that. But the bottom line is you're still gone. And um, I think 
it's hard. It's a hard life, and it's it's a hard life to have a family, and it's a hard life to really have a good relationship. And I think you have to weigh what's important to you. And I think Utah will pay him good enough money that he feels that that it's worth it. I know he's his, he. I'm sure he has a dream of coaching the NBA, but it's you know one year you're good, one year you're bad, and you're fired. And that's that's a kind of kind of uh, situation that is. And I'm not saying. That's bad, but that's just kind of kind of what it has to be. And I guess what I can say, David, it's the same with you. You probably have had many opportunities to go in a bigger market, be able to be a sportscaster in a bigger market, but you probably have made a choice that you like where you are, you enjoy what you're doing, and the same thing happened to me. There's no question, you know, I thought I'd be coaching the men's team and all that, but I've been with I've been with with BYU for 20 years. It's been great. I've coached some really, really good players, and it's basketball. No matter no matter if I'm coaching BYU women's basketball team or I'm coaching somewhere else, it, it's basketball, and it's something that I totally love. And um, I'll tell you, my team, they work hard. They work just as hard as I, when I coached the men at Utah. They're just as dedicated as they were in Utah. Um, so, you know, I just think you got to do what you think is best for you and, and your family. It's Sometimes it's easy to make decision for yourself, but you got to look. You got to put your family in this, and I'm sure Alex is that way. Alex is a very, <clears throat> if he decides to take this job, if it's offered to him, I'm sure he's going to look at it and try to look at the whole picture and and all that, you know, and and, and try to make the best decisions for him and his, and his family. What are some of the differences between coaching in college and coaching at the pro level? College, you have more control. The players have to respect you more because you can sit them out. You can do things. It's more practice probably, not as many games. So you're doing more teaching. You know, I remember Coach Ruggiero said this to me, and I always thought he was crazy, but he said practice is, is, is more fun than a game. And as assistant coach, the games were, were the fun, and practices were long and long and dreary especially with Coach Ruggiero's for four hours, five hours. But as I've become a head coach, I do enjoy practice as much or more than I do the games because it's teaching and because it's, it's, it's spending time with your team. And I think that is more rewarding almost than anything. So the pros, you don't get that opportunity. As you probably will notice, the pros, the players control it. They control everything now. Back when I played, it wasn't that way. But now it's that way now. The players control who's the head coach, who's doing what, who's doing this, who's doing that. And I think that's harder. Um, I'm not saying that a lot of coaches want to be control freaks, but I think they like to be able to know that what they feel and how they do it is what's best for the team. And um, um, the problem is, you know, the Jazz, in my eyes, just watching them and seeing them, they're a very, very close team. And they're they're very respectful. They respect Coach Snyder and his staff, and you can't say that in too many organizations. And I think I think it starts. Tell you the truth, it starts from the ownership first. If you got owners that are that the players respect and know that what they're doing, it kind of it kind of uh, trickles down to the whole to the whole you know, program. And I mean, Alex right now is in a really good situation with the Jazz. I mean, it's probably one of the better franchises to really be part of 
Jenny, we could probably talk to you for another half hour, but I'm told you have other responsibilities and need to be on your way. We could sit here yeah. and grill you and pick your mind just left and right. I know. It's fun. It reminds me of the old days. <laughs> 20 years, Juddy. 20 years, 10 NCAA, tri- 10 NCAA trips, and now five times you've won in advance, and we'll all be watching to see uh, what happens. And if you get to another Sweet 16, it'd be your third. Good luck, Juddy. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it, and I hope we, hope we can continue to keep going. I guess we're the only Utah team left, so hopefully we can do it. Good luck, Juddy. Thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. We'll see you. Jeff Judkins, BYU women's basketball coach. They uh, wiped out a double-digit deficit in the second half and advanced to the second round. And who do they play, PK? <laughs> Suckwads of uh, University of Arizona. May they be beaten. <laughs> University of Tucson must be defeated in all it's things. The, the university, as Danny White calls it, the University of Northern Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Danny White sucking up to Sun Devil fans. <laughs> Demean Arizona as much as possible. Do not call them by their given name. 70 to 7. <laughs> that football game will live on. <laughs> hey, coach, before you hit the road, we got something for you. <laughs> yeah, this, this new guy, Fisher, down there in Tucson, uh-huh. uh, they, they put out their media policies. It was like night and day. Someone virtually had no access. He, yeah. uh, he's following along the Herm Edwards deal of almost complete access. Smart move. Free pub, keep your team out there in front of the recruits who are gobbling this stuff up. And if if the University of Arizona doesn't have several social media uh, people cranking out content, you know, take all the free media you can get, take all the social media you can get. It stuns me when I see organizations, and this goes for pro teams and college teams, headed the other way, which is where most of them are. We've seen people elected president on this stuff. Why would you walk away from social media and from free media? It's, it's powerful. No one is, but cumulatively, it's real powerful. So, unfortunately for you, maybe they're about to harness it at Arizona. Maybe they're about to uh, get back to uh, where they were in the late 90s. Well, at least it'll be done by a Jersey guy who went to the same high school as my sister. So, there's some, some solace in that. DJ and PK, coming up next, everything you missed in this show. We'll get you up to speed next. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest-rated, most listened-to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I mean, I just came in, uh, you know, try to set the tone defensively, um, as I do every night, you know, and uh, I think we did a great job as a team, and, you know, as the game went on, when I came out at the end, uh, somebody told me that I had nine, but I didn't know, to be honest. So, you know, that's not really – I never tried to chase that, you know, but once I knew that I had nine, I was like, okay, let's, let's go for it. There's Rudy Gobert. He only chases blocks when he knows he's got nine. That's the only time he'll chase it. Get him to ten. Get him to the triple-double. I was thinking that – they should have just had him go guard anybody who had the ball. Just run furiously at the player who had the ball. <laughs> just go get him. <laughs> yeah. So it was out at the three-point line, and the guy passed it, have Rudy run over there. <laughs> just try to get that last elusive block. 
There were a lot of post-game questions about that. There was very little about the game, and yet did the Jazz get back to being the Jazz? And that doesn't guarantee that they're going to go to the finals or win the title or anything. But when they won 20 out of 21, there were so many teams that are in the middle of the league who played the Jazz and lost by 20-plus points. And at least for one night, they were back to that. And the thing is, you always hear players talk about the dog days of the season. We're down to the final 30 games, and they know they're playing like 11 of the next 14 at home. Don't you think they can see the finish line now? To the degree that effort's a hard it's a hard thing when you're traveling a lot and you're in the slog in the middle of the season, but does it feel like the middle of the season anymore? And I know it's partly it's the time of year and the season's going to go a month longer because it's a weird year, mm-hmm. but it feels like the finish line is coming up and that alone should energize you and more of the teams that are out of it. And I realize not as many teams are out of it because now they got this 7, 8, 9, 10 play-in deal. But for the teams that are out of it, or for the teams like the Warriors who are going to be in the 7, 8, 9, 10 deal, but how much does it really mean to them? They should be healthier next year. Their young guys should be a year better. I mean, that's the real prize. Maybe oh, I think it means a lot to them because uh, you need more games. If you want to win it next year and you want the Play-up younger experience. guys to be a year better, the, well, the, the number one way to get that is to play more games and have them taste the experience. And all that stuff. So yeah, I think that matters a lot. They're not a champ. They're not winning for the title. They're competing for the title this year, uh, but they've got uh, Wiseman and this Pool kid has emerged a little bit now. Uh, Pace's son too, to an extent, is getting not getting big minutes, but getting, uh, no, getting but he's, minutes. He's clearly evolved and won the the backup job, and he gets his he gets his twelve. Steph's yeah, going to well, sit that, for six, and now Steph's out. I mean, he's missing. A third straight game. I here, wonder if he might be used in, in a trade situation, but nevertheless, could uh, be. Yeah. Get those guys as much minutes as possible. But I think for the Jazz, I think it's about reestablishing yourself because you did uh, have this phenomenal first half, and then you basically played 500 ball for 10 or 12 games. And so, where are you at as far as that goes? Are you the other team, or is this more like it? So, and they've proven nothing. As far as the grand scheme of things, that's why so many folks doubt them. And so prove to yourselves, and and why not? You don't want to get obsessed with some ding-dongs like uh, myself would say. Uh, but go ahead and, and show people that, hey, that we're out there and we're going to reestablish ourselves. So in this way, this stretch of these last 30 games, it's a couple of things that I think has added emphasis. The fact that you've been playing 500 ball to an extent. <clears throat> and then you said well, they got the f- 11 of 14 at home or whatever you just mm-hmm. said. Uh, at that point, then you're really down to the final 2025. 20, so why not get the first, the number one seed, get that first seed? So I think they have some motivation to continue to play and, and just being professional. Is to me should be motivation enough as far as uh, you are getting paid to to do a job, and your job here is to play as hard as you can and to win as many games as you can, knowing that you're not going to win them all. So that's three things right there that should provide them ample motivation to get back to the winning. Don't know that you can win 21 of 22, but you can get back to a better winning pace. And then as you move along, the first seed is there. Well, why not go get it? It doesn't guarantee you anything, but why not go get it? And why not make a run for it and then go from that point uh, to uh, see what you can do with that number one seed. So I'm excited. What do we've got? Basically, uh, 
uh, what about two months to go in the regular it was, season? Uh, the reg- when LeBron went down, uh, that was that it was what Saturday, and so Sunday was eight weeks to the end of the regular season. Eight weeks to the day, which isn't quite two months; it's fifty-six days, and so now it's Tuesday, so fifty-four days to that final Sunday, May sixteenth, is when everything wraps up. Uh, yeah, so have a shot at it, man. Go ahead and get it done. And then you'll have some time off because they'll have that uh, playoff for the playoff, <laughs> whatever you want to call it there. I don't know. Did, did they have a specific name to it? Yeah, a little uh, four-team four, four team tournament, whatever it is, three games, yeah. four teams. Yeah. If, if, you, if you miss it, they're going to do what they did in the bubble, and seven and eight are going to play each other and the winner's in, and nine and ten are going to play each other and the loser is out. And so whoever loses the 7-8 game gets a second chance to beat the winner of the 9-10 game. That'll be, you know, one game for the last spot. So they'll just play That's those, sort of fun. those three games. And, yeah, and it kind of provides stepping stones. Now there's something like, hey, if we can be six, we can avoid that and get some time off. Plus, assuming you're playing three, maybe there's a chance you're playing a lesser team. You know, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. a tiebreaker, yeah. and it may come down to matchup, so it may not. And, really and matter. I, I just, I like it from the fan perspective. I don't really care. About One game, you sit down, someone's out or someone's yeah. in. Two you and a half more, hours. My number one thing that I want in any sport, man, woman, doesn't matter, is that it really, really matters. If it doesn't really matter to them, then it doesn't really matter to me. And in those situations, those games will really matter. I watched the BYU women. Yesterday, because you could tell it really, really mattered. mattered. Obviously, Jeff Judkins and, and, and I know Lee Kamard a little bit, and he's on the staff, and it really mattered. Yeah. Don't, and, leave, out, you know, don't leave out Ray Stewart. They got a gaucho on their staff. Well, no nor uh, Melanie, who played for BYU and is now an assistant coach. We had her on the air. She's got that cancer thing that she's been mm-hmm. dealing with. So, yeah, I mean, let's go right down the list. Right down the list. <laughs> we got ties to all of them. And I grew up as a hardcore Rutgers fan. In Jersey. (laughs) Not really. Colleges are so down the radar uh, back there. It's such a pro area. Such a pros matter so much. But it mattered to these young gals, and it matters. That's good enough for me, man. I'm in. I was joking with Yach that uh, I flicked over and watched the wedding of uh, Kelly Kapowski and uh, Zach... What's Zach's last name? I don't even know. Zach Morris. That's oh, so Zach on Morris. Save, Come on, buddy. Saved by the Bell. And it was the older ones, the one with uh, Golick, the later years, and they got married in Vegas. And it was a touching scene. So I was flicking back and forth, you know, because they had that one deal. It seemed like it was about a 10-minute uh, look-at-the-clock deal when they fouled them. And so I was able to, to go back and relive some glorious memories of Saved by the Bell. This is a one true of the text top, exchange. One of the top five shows of all time. I, don't, I mean, I just don't think we can argue that. It's been proven now that that's a fact. It really hasn't. It's not, and it's, it won't be. They, yeah, they've had two remakes, and they're still showing it on the air. Mm-hmm. So you're, it's like you're right. what you're doing right now, and it's pissing me off, I must say. Mm-hmm. What you're doing right now is you are those like those idiots who, oh, the Beatles are so overrated. No, no they're, they're not. What I'm doing right now is what you do to MASH. That's what I'm doing. Except there's a difference there. They didn't I'm, have a remake right, of a wrong. remake. I agree. Yeah, Matt they didn't have a remake of a remake. They have it saved by the bell. Nobody talks about Loretta Swit the way we do 
Elizabeth Berkeley yeah, and sure. Tiffany Thiessen. These people are mega stars no matter where they go. You are so wrong. If I was there, I would kick you in the groin and then as you fell, slap you in the back of the head. We also talk college basketball, he says, ignoring the last bit of hyperbole or hyperbole or whatever you'd like to mispronounce that word as. Uh, We also talk college hoops. Uh, Jeff Judkins was just on and really laid out the choice in front of Alex Jensen. You can be an NBA head coach. What does that do to your family, the family side of it, the U job? Assuming you went in one, we've seen you, you can go through the Utah media guide online and you can see how many people have gotten into that job and and been there for a decade, which in the coaching world is forever. I mean, Larry's the most recent example, but Majerus had a decade. Pim had a decade. I mean, you can keep going back. I think really it's going to end up being, a, right now, Alex Jensen. He's chuck The choice is his. Pac-12's got four of the Sweet 16. I don't think – I know everyone's going nuts over this. I just don't think USC and Oregon are that surprising where – where Dana Altman has the program and the way they played this year, uh, USC, uh, everyone knows they've got some high-end talent. Now, how they got it and the FBI wiretap, that's all out there. But if we just stick to the basketball, SC being there, I, I think you can be surprised with UCLA and Oregon State. UCLA because they had their injuries and the coach hasn't been there that long to really get his guys. Second year. Right. And, so, and he's got some big recruits coming in, right? He's got uh, the player of the year in California lined up. So they're going to be there where they you know, get back to being UCLA and have NBA well, talent. But if you're a little surprised this year, especially because they had a couple injuries too and the way they finished the season, I get two are surprised, but I'm having a problem being shocked with the other two. And, and no other league has more than two teams there. So I, I get your point about the Pac-12. What do you really get for that if you're Utah? I mean, you got to hire a coach and get your own program going, but you're part of the club and your club has been demeaned and dismissed year-round for a couple of years now. So... This feels good. Well, relative to bat- football, it means nothing. <laughs> right. It <is laughs> but it's still for like this week, nothing. nobody can say anything bad about your teams. Yeah, but if you're not one of those teams, who gives a crap? You're a part of the club. Let it – I mean, you're right. Over here, you're worried about the Utah coaching <laughs> search. Who's going to be the guy? And are we going to be part of that group? But Ute fans believe, based on the history, that if they get the right guy, they're going to be part of that group pretty well, quickly. It, it, and it look actually, where that group is. It, 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 yeah, but they don't need that. That they didn't need that to happen. They've gone to the final four, to the final game, right, in a league where they were much so, better than the league. So they don't need that to happen. That's that's irrelevant. I'm happy that the teams won. Uh, Oregon has sort of turned my stomach a little bit, but I, I rooted for them. Doesn't I think USC? A, uh, SC basketball? No. Not at all. Oh, but with the whole investigation and the wiretap and all that, how clean or how dirty is that program? Oh, yeah, but that's like picking out one speeder in a freeway full of speeders. I've been exposed to this stuff for a long time here. I just I roll with that. I mean, they hired the guy's the father to get the two Mobley sons. I mean, come on. And Larry Kristobiak hired the kid's father to get that Martinez kid. Yep. And maybe the Jonesy to get his son. So, uh, and and uh, what's his or Herb Sendek hired the Lakewood High coach a year before to get James Harden. Uh, this is, this, what are we talking about here? Are we expecting Boy Scouts of America? <laughs> no. This is dirty. I've always said it's dirty. I've never not known it's dirty. 
and can go down the list of stories. I think the big surprise, though, is Oregon kicking the crap out of Iowa and SC kicking the crap out of Kansas. I mean, those things were old. It was those were easy. If you were waiting for some drama, because the right. you know uh, the timing on that, what was the timing on the Oregon game? I, it's all a blur now. SC was the late game, right? Yes. Yeah. Oregon was uh, middle of the day. Yeah, Oregon was middle of the day. But uh, flipping over from the the Jazz game, yeah, you know, that thing decided. was over. It was yeah, never much of a game in the second no. half. No, it was. It's not just they're in the Sweet Sixteen. It's how easily they got. And there. SC has a former LDS missionary on their team who started his basketball career at SUU in 2013. Yeah, Britton Covey, you got some work to do. You haven't stretched this out long enough. Let's go. Not even, not even close. Britton played his first year in 2015. He was a true freshman. All right, DJ and PK, that's some of what we've been talking about on this show. Your feedback, a lot of feedback on the question of the day, the Jazz. Are they back? Are they back? And also, uh, Mad Max... Vernon Maxwell, a lot of people with takes on uh, him uh, going off on Utah. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback, everything you have to say about today's show. Question, are the Jazz back on track? Jeff hits us with a hard-hitting answer, and I hope so. (laughs) Jeff, you speak for a lot of people. Yeah, he does. Uh, Curtis says, time to trade bogey. Curtis is done. Half a bad season. Coming off surgery. Out! Man, that isn't the patience the Jazz are known for. (sighs) Well, if you can get something that makes your team better. Right. What do you have coming back? That's the first question. And what's today? The 23rd? The trade deadline, I think, is Thursday, right? 25th? Yeah, we're coming up on it. So if you make your team better, for sure. But, you know, they've got a great record, and I don't know that you can make your team better. And so I'd be hesitant to mess up the chemistry. I mean, they haven't done that at all, even with uh, Ilyasova. He hasn't taken anybody's minutes. Nope. Uh, So uh, keep doing what you're doing, and sink or swim with this group right now, and it's worth giving it a shot because you don't fluke yourself wet your way to the best record in the league. It just doesn't work that way. You, you you have to get some good health in that way. And even if the Lakers had had good health, and let's assume they would have it and they would have a better record, I think we would all agree with that. So you have the second or third best record. Uh, but at the we same would time, have taken that. That was the bait yeah. at the start of the season. Can right. they get out of the 4-5? Can they get right. to 2? And uh, then we started saying, we'll get to 3, because what's really there is between 2 and 3. Right. And so they look like they're on their way to that, minimally. Uh, I keep, keep trying to work – go. Uh, Bogdanovich into it and see what he can do because he is a proven commodity in this way. And I I think at some point he's going to snap out of it. Now, he's snapped out of it from time to time, but what you're looking for is consistency. And uh, if it's not there, though, if we go through and we're in the postseason and it's a tight game and he's not making shots, sit him down. Go with Joe. And maybe we can talk about this tomorrow what the hell with Joe here, man? My goodness. <laughs> Five of six? That's not even human. This is a hot streak. This is outrageous. He's like, I think he needs to be tested. Something's going on here. <laughs> I mean, he's I, like Bonds and Clemens are getting better with age. Put it put it up on uh, Facebook. Put it up on Facebook right now. What the hell with Joe Ingles 
<laughs> it's just, it's just absolutely amazing now. I mean, we can't. And guys, Thurl and, and Bolajek, they're laughing now. Thurl did. Thurl did <laughs> laugh last night because somebody hit Joe with a pat. They all know he's got his release point up by his forehead. He spoke about he's this He's worked the on game. that big time. Yeah, he said, I used to shoot it down by my shins, and some 6'8 yeah. athlete come flying out and send it up into row double Z or whatever it was. Yeah. And so he's raised it, but it's now extraordinarily high. I don't think anybody has a higher catch and release point. Well, it is literally is. the catch and shoot. Yeah. And the pass hits him in the forehead, and he just catches it and flicks it at the hoop, and it goes in. He's absolutely amazing. And yeah. he throws in se- he gets seven boards the- last night. I mean, come on, man. He, I asked him this weeks ago, and he kind of blew me off as far as, and which is his style and personality, are you playing the best that you've ever played ever? He got asked that again last night, and well, he, blew, he, he blew it off again. It, and I get it. That's not who he is. But nevertheless, that's what he is right now, and it's so incredible to see. Man, he owes me so much for discovering him. As far as uh, Vernon Maxwell, we got a run here. Uh, Chauncey, he's a bitter old troll. Ignore this dude. He's not worth any Utah's time. Greg, okay. Vernon Maxwell secretly lives in Panguitch and just wants fewer people to move here. <laughs> Stanguich, <laughs> nice ball. Okay. All right, we're out of time. DJ and PK, we'll see you tomorrow on 6 to 10 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.